Welcome to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, getting you up to speed with the latest in Somerset Patriots baseball. Here's your host, Stephen Cusimano. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. I'm Stephen Cusimano as we come to you entering the fifth week of Somerset's 2022 season and having just wrapped up a big two-week homestand where the Patriots went 8-3 and three to remain atop the Eastern League standings. Well, this is going to be a fun episode today. We're going to hear from the Patriots pitching coach, Gerardo Diego briefly. We're also going to hear from the Yankees' top pitching prospect, Ken Waldachuk. And we're going to have a spotlight on Elijah Dunham, one of the most under-the-radar, yet quickest rising prospects in the Yankees organization. So more on that later. But first, let's get you up to speed with the latest. Last week, we talked about Somerset taking five out of six games versus the Red Sox-affiliated Portland Sea Dogs. And coming out of this week, they took three out of a possible five games versus the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And I say five games because Friday and Saturday's game were both postponed due to rain, and we only got to play one of them. The other got postponed until when Somerset visits New Hampshire on June 15th as part of another doubleheader. But this past week, the Patriots played five games versus the Fisher Cats, and they came out victorious in three of them. And before we get into the specifics of the series, let's take a look at the Eastern League standings as the Somerset Patriots remain up top, now with a record of 17-9, having gone 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. The Patriots enter the fifth week of play, two and a half games over the Hartford Yardcoats, the Colorado Rockies affiliate, for first place in the Northeast Division, and they will kick off a six-game series with the last place team in the Eastern League Southwest, which is the Altoona Curve, affiliated with the Pittsburgh Pirates. More on them later, let's first take a look at what happened in this past series. It wound up working out to where the Patriots won every other game, and there were a couple of themes in this series, the first of which was resilience. And it all started from the very drop of the flag in the first game, Tuesday afternoon. It was the first morning game, or at least late morning game of the season for the Patriots, and they fell behind 5 to nothing in the first two innings of the first game, behind a three-run homer from the Blue Jays' number two prospect, Arelvis Martinez, who went on to have a total of two home runs in the series. From that point, the Patriots, as they've done so many times this year, and again, especially this week, came fighting on back. And this time, it was Michael Beltre, the defending AA Northeast League All-Star, who led the Patriots in so many offensive categories in 2021, coming up huge for Somerset in the next half inning after they fell behind 5 to nothing. And a 1-0 is blasted out to right field, headed back toward the scoreboard, bombs away! It's a grand slam for Michael Beltre to get the Patriots within a run. Beltre's second home run of the year, and he picked a good spot for it. It was absolutely blasted over the right field wall, no question about it. And this has become a 5-4 ball game. And that really felt like it set the tone for the whole series. The Fisher Cats scored first in four out of five games, but the Patriots were able to win three out of five, including this first one where they came back from a five-run deficit, erased it, went up eight to five, and wound up winning eight to seven, moving them on to 15 and seven. That was their fifth win in a row. Unfortunately, it was snapped the next day, but the five-game win streak, their longest yet this season. We mentioned the next night the Patriots lost 3-1, but there was one great highlight in that game. Brandon Lockridge, out in center field, played a dazzling glove all week long, but especially in this game when he came up with this catch during the eighth inning of what was a 1-1 to tie game. Slaps one deep in the air towards straightaway center field. Brandon Lockridge is on the run at the warning track, leaping, and he pulled it down! Robbery by Brandon Lockridge in center field! 
And again, that catch came up huge in the eighth inning of a tie game one-to-one. Unfortunately for the Patriots, they could not pull that one out. It was a 3-1 to loss on Wednesday night, but they followed it up with another win. 5-3 to was the score on Thursday night in a game where the Patriots were trailing 3 to nothing, entering the bottom of the sixth inning, and that was when Derek Dietrich hit his fifth home run of the season, his second straight game with one, making the score then 3-2 to New Hampshire. One-two pitch is hammered out deep toward right field. Derek Dietrich's got another one. Where did that one land? Well beyond the right field fence. It's his fifth home run of the season for the Patriots, and he makes the score 3-2 New Hampshire. And that was just the sequel to what's been really a great run for Derek Dietrich in a Patriots uniform. The eight-year Major League veteran, mostly with the Miami Marlins, signed with the Yankees as a minor league free agent just before Somerset's road trip to Hartford. That's when he joined the team, and since then, in 13 games as a Patriot, he's hitting 289 with a 1085 OPS. We mentioned the five home runs. The 14 RBIs came into Sunday, leading the Patriots, a title now owned by Anthony Volpe. More on that later, but first, the end of this game. The Patriots entered the eighth inning on Thursday night, trailing 3-2, to two, and then it was three two-out runs to seal the deal for the Patriots, the first of which was scored by none other than Derek Dietrich. He was, to no surprise, hit by a pitch with two outs to start the rally, and then the Eastern League leader in both slugging and OPS, Blake Perkins, hit an RBI triple, his second triple of the season to tie for the Eastern League lead as well. That run scoring hit tied the game, setting the stage for Jesus Bastidas after Michael Beltre got on with a base hit, and Bastidas did this with two men on base. 2-2 pitch, slashed into left field, that's a base hit heading in towards the corner. Perkins scores, Beltre scores, the Patriots take a 5-3 lead on a two-run double for Jesus Bastidas, and they have brought home three runs here in the eighth inning. So that was once again a very impressive come-from-behind win for the Patriots, their second out of the first three games in the series, coming into Friday on a hot streak, and then the rain came. They were rained out both Friday and Saturday, setting the stage for a Sunday doubleheader where the Patriots did not have their way in the first game. They lost 6-3, to committed three errors, and could only muster up two hits at the plate. So that game did not go their way in any shape or form, but the second one did. It was a no-hitter going into the seventh inning, of a seven-inning game, and it was a career day for the Yankees' number one pitching prospect. The lefty Ken Waldachuk struck out a career-high 12 batters en route to his third win of the season, departed from the no-hitter in the sixth inning. Then Barrett Lowski took over, threw a scoreless sixth, carried the no-hitter into the seventh, and it was broken up when the Fisher Cats scored two unearned runs, but the Patriots nonetheless were able to come away with a 3-2 win as the capper of what turned out to be a five-game series completion pending when the Patriots make up Saturday's game on June 15th as part of a doubleheader. But back to Ken Waldachuk, his ERA lowered to 1.14, second best mark in the Eastern League, as well as his 127 batting average against, also second best, his 40 strikeouts the second most, and his whip of 0.8, the third best in the Eastern League as Waldachuk, coming out of that game on Sunday, was named to MLB Pipeline's Prospect Team of the Week. And it was interesting because coming into this season, Waldachuk talked about the emergence of his slider and how that was something he really worked on to get better during spring training as part of his four-pitch mix, the curveball slider, changeup, and the fastball with touches 95-96. He mentioned his slider as maybe his weakest pitch, or at least the one that was the most inconsistent, as he put it during spring training. But he worked on some things, and earlier in the week before this start happened, he actually talked about the emergence of his slider and how that's actually become one of his go-to pitches. Uh, honestly, it's kind of been my go-to pitch this year. Uh, it took like kind of a big steps forward this spring. The average movement went up, uh, the velo went up. And like my command of it got a lot better. So 
And also, yeah, it might be my second best pitch right now behind my fastball. So in a span of only a few months, Waldachuk went from calling his slider his most inconsistent pitch to the one he's most comfortable throwing outside of his fastball. And Waldachuk went on to talk about how the emergence of that pitch has helped him in terms of pitch sequencing, something he was really looking to improve upon entering this year. Last year, I kind of learned a lot from that. Like I would get hurt once a game probably on a, on a home run and I would learn like, well, that's because I threw this and this count. Uh, so now that I kind of know more about that and I'm more comfortable throwing that uh, and it's moving more, like I feel like I feel like it's a better, better weapon. Well, it certainly has been an effective weapon for Waldachuk. And the other thing that's been very effective for him has been his command of the strike zone. And that was something that was a major emphasis for him coming into 2022. And even though he walked three batters on Sunday, still this year, 40 strikeouts compared to only nine walks. And that command of the strike zone is something that Waldachuk stressed the importance of. It just makes it a lot more comfortable because uh, once you start filling up the zone and you know that the ball is going to go where you want to go, that's when you can really start to just let it eat and throw it harder and see see what happens and then especially once you're ahead too you can kind of just aim for corners and play there and you know like you won't really get punished too much if like they're behind the count there on the defense and then the one final change that Waldachuk talked about that he worked on with Yankees director of pitching Sam Breen during spring training was simplifying his front side delivery and he believes that's also made a huge difference for him so far this year something really simple that uh, Sam and I worked on where it's just literally my glove would face towards me and I just had to like supinate my wrist or like face it towards the hitter and that just made all the difference honestly my glove would be facing me and it was like kind of making everything like harder to time up uh so just by like facing my glove to the hitter it kind of like made my hips work better and i just so it was more linear to the plate rather than like rotational so Waldachuk certainly has gotten a lot of the hype, and it's been very well-deserved with the season he's had. Coming into this week of play, 3-0 with a 1.14 ERA. We talked about where those marks, along with the 40 strikeouts, rank in the Eastern League. But it's been really the entire pitching staff for the Patriots that has put not just the Yankees and the rest of the Eastern League on notice, but the entire minor leagues. Gerardo Casadiego's pitching staff comes into this week with a 2.76 ERA. That is the second best mark in all of the minor leagues, as well as the 1.09 whip and the 191 batting average against the best in all of minor league baseball. And that is something that has been consistent throughout the entire last week for the Patriots. Waldachuk and Gerardo Casadiego both commented on the pride they take in being one of the top pitching staffs in all of the minor leagues. Of course, we did. And it's probably things that I don't want to know, but uh, we did, and uh, we got into a good store, and we got a great, great group here. There's a lot of talent here they got in my hand, so it's not down my mind that uh, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing the last four weeks, and then you just come here and, and work hard every day, and there's a great group of guys. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, everyone, everyone on our staff works really hard day in, day out to make sure that they're the best that they can be on their start day. Uh, so it's just really cool to see that like everyone kind of is just off to a pretty good start. And yeah, I mean, the plans just kind of stay there. So I know people aren't really trying to be complacent and um, that we're trying to honestly get it even lower than it already is. Well, the pitching staff objectively has been great. The numbers speak for themselves. And you look at the offensive side of the ball too, and it's easy to forget. The Patriots also lead the Eastern League in runs scored with 131 and in home runs with 36. They also rank second in OPS at a 735 mark and second in stolen bases with 45. So the Patriots have been getting it done in all facets. They're plus 44 run differential, the second best mark in all of minor league baseball. So excellent pitching and really strong on the offensive side of the ball as well. 
and taking center stage in this week's Patriots and Pinstripes Spotlight is one of the more under-the-radar players on this Patriots team, and that is the New York Yankees' number 27 prospect, outfielder Elijah Dunham. Signed with the Yankees as an undrafted free agent out of Indiana University in his home state in 2020, and quickly put the baseball world on notice. Made his pro debut in 2021, splitting his time between the Tampa Tarpons and mostly with the Hudson Valley Renegades, where between both teams he hit 263 with an 825 OPS and 28 stolen bases with 13 home runs. He was named a 2021 MILB.com Yankees organizational all-star where he was one of seven minor leaguers with 13 or more home runs and 28 or more stolen bases and fewer than 100 strikeouts. So from there, he was named to the Arizona Fall League, played for the Surprise Saguaros in October of 2021, and he ended up being named the Arizona Fall League Breakout Player of the Year, led the AFL in stolen bases with 11, ranked third in hits with 30, fifth in on-base percentage at a mark of 465, and his 357 average ranked sixth to go along with 14 runs batted in and six doubles. So after that, Elijah Dunham named MLB Pipeline's number 27 Yankees prospect and began this year with Somerset, 17 games into his season, and things have gone solid. The 213 batting average doesn't reflect really how well he's played. A 739 OPS, two home runs, two triples, which tie for the most in the Eastern League. And if you ask Elijah Dunham himself to assess his season so far through 17 games, he'll tell you that he's having a good time. I've been having a lot of fun too, like here in Somerset and with the guys, because a lot of this team is the guys I, I came up with last year and uh, and we're here to, in AA too. Um, I think I'm having a really good season. I don't think my, my stats are, I think they're kind of, uh, not showing the exactly kind of the season I've had. I think I've had a really good season, just kind of unlucky at times. But uh, I'm just going to keep trying to put quality ABs and keep competing at the plate and uh, hope those can fix itself. And coming off such a hot start to his professional career, Dunham talked about what he worked on during the offseason. Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely did a lot of emphasis on my arm and I'm uh, and definitely my base stealing. I, I kind of started that last year and I really wanted to keep it going this year. Um, but my arm was a really big emphasis this year was trying to get it up to uh, try to be a, like above average arm. And um, I definitely think it's paid off. I definitely so far I've thrown a guy out already and that didn't even I don't even think that happened last year. So it's it's definitely showing improvement. I started doing plyo balls like throwing more. Um, quite frequently in the offseason and I definitely think that's the best but I think at the end of the day too I got I can't uh, stop what I was doing last year and in the fall league too I just got to keep having every, treating every AB like it's its own thing and just staying and keep competing every day and competing every day is something that Dunham really predicates himself off of really strong work ethic because he's a guy who again went undrafted but that was during the COVID year where the MLB draft was shortened from 40 rounds to five but as Elijah will tell you he was expecting to be drafted that year yeah, so I, I was always under the impression going to that 2020 year, you know, if I have a good year, um, that, you know, it could have been in the top five rounds, anyone, like the three to five. Uh, I even thought after the 2020 season, I still had a shot. Like, I, I was sitting there on draft day thinking, you know what, we, we got a chance. I had teams talking to me, and uh, it, just, it just never happened. And uh, it was probably best that it never happened because it motivated me, and I, I used it for some, some very positive energy to, to how I work. And so I look at it as a blessing now. Once it didn't happen, I mean, I didn't really want to talk to any of the people that told me that they were that they were going to, and yeah. then and then it di di didn't happen. I was more like, it didn't happen. I can't change it. I just because I knew in the, the flaws in my game at the time that reasons why it could have not happened, and and so I just I went to work during COVID and tried to address those issues. 
And at the University of Indiana, where Dunham played two full seasons plus the partial 2020 season, he was putting together a really good resume as a sophomore in 2019, led the team in batting average with a 310 mark. The on-base percentage also led the team at 434. And after 43 games, he was named third-team All-Big Ten, began his junior season in 2020, slashing 390 with a 493 on-base percentage and 559 slugging percentage in 15 games. And then the COVID pandemic, of course, stopped everything. And he had a big decision to make as to whether or not he would forego school and sign as a free agent, and he talked about what weighed into that decision. So my, my first thought was, all right, if I don't get drafted, I'm going back to college. Mm -hmm. And then it didn't happen, um, and we sat on it for because there was a little time before the, the free agent signing started happening. They, there was a little window, and I sat down with my, my agent, and he looked at it, you know, he, like from an outside perspective, how, like, where my age at, where I was development-wise, development and he completely believed that I should be going into pro ball no matter the draft or not. He, th he thought I was ready. He thought with how me being, uh, you know, a sophomore-eligible guy, a little older in the in the junior draft, that I should definitely be going, and I, I trusted him, and I, I feel like I made the right choice. That was a big decision on, like, in, it was sitting down with my family and my coaches. It was like, like, yeah, I could go back and, you know, be like, I have the extra year, but it's like I'm still going to get treated as a senior with my age and everything. But just looking at it, it was like I, I was ready that in that moment to, to try the next step of my career. I, I felt like where I was at at the college level is like, all right, from, from where I was at developmentally, my, my coaches had me at the spot I needed to be to go to the next level and learn from new people and everything. So I thought it was just a phenomenal. I, I look back on it, it was a great decision because I'm not, I'm not here today if I, didn't, if I didn't leave early, if I went back. I don't go to the fall league if that didn't happen. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get in with, you know, these coaches and these, uh, and these uh, teammates like I do now. So I, I think it was, it was definitely a blessing in, in that choice. So everything seems to have worked out for Dunham after making that really tough life decision, and things have gone well for him since joining the Yankees organization. But that was another decision to make. After he forewent school and decided to sign with a major league team, why did he choose the Yankees? Uh, I had Casey Dykes, uh, too, that coached me at Indiana, and he was with the Yankees, and he all, only had good things to say about the development, developmental system with uh, the Yankees, and so that was just the route to go for me because I, I trust Casey. He's my favorite coach of all time, and, uh, and now I'm, I'm so glad to be a Yankee because he was definitely hit the nail on the head there. So Casey Dykes, his favorite coach of all time, only spent one year at Indiana University, but it happened to be a year where Dunham was there in 2019, and Dykes went on to work for the Yankees as a hitting coach for the AAA Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders in 2021, and this year he is the assistant hitting coach for New York at the major league level, so his influence brought Dunham to the Yankees organization, and coming into this year, Dunham talked about what elements of his game have improved the most since signing with New York. I'll just start with what they wanted wanted me to do was my arm. They we were on a grain that I had to I had to fix my arm, so we went we went and did that. But some of the positives was just maintaining where I was at physically with my strength and my speed, and uh, just gaining on my like on my swing mechanics just a little bit more playing out in front, so like so I can extend balls to my pull side. So uh, that was another area that they wanted me to work on. So just those those areas is what they're communicating with me that I just need to continue to get better at, and then continue to stay stay where I'm at with it. So improving his arm strength in the field, but also for Dunham, one element of his game that really has evolved from college is his base stealing ability. And he had 28 stolen bases in the Yankees minor league system his first year in 2021. So far this year, seven stolen bases, which ranks second actually to only Anthony Volpe on the Patriots so far this year. And Dunham talked about how satisfied he is with his speed this year and how important it is to have a guy like Anthony Volpe to push him. 
Yeah, yeah uh, definitely, definitely happy with it. Uh, definitely trying to catch up to AV on those bags. We kind of have a little fun game, but I, you know, he's just he's constant on the. He's like a gnat. He's not stopping. So I don't know if I'll ever get catch him quite, but I love I love having him in front of me so I can strive to try to it makes me better with with my base dealing. Well, at the top, we touched on the work ethic that Elijah Dunham brings to the table, and that kind of chip on his shoulder is something that he really takes as a part of his personality and how he wouldn't be the player he is today if he didn't go undrafted and how he certainly does play with a chip on his shoulder. A hundred percent. That that whole year off where I wasn't doing anything, I'm, that was all I thought about was like how, you know, I thought I was viewed a different way than how it ended up being out. Like I, I thought I was a top five round guy, ended up not being viewed by by everyone else that way so it was a huge chip on my shoulder it, it, it I, I think about every time I'm working out every time I'm hitting every time like I come in and er- lift early it's just like I, I still play with that and and a lot of my teammates make fun of me for it because they're like dude you can like stop with all that crap like you don't need to but it's like why, why am I going to it still happened it's it's still it was still a fact like it didn't change anything just because of you know a good year good fall league like it's still the same me and I, I'm just gonna keep it real like that because that's, that's how it is. Well, another guy in a completely different sport that is notorious for knowing the names of every guy who was picked in front of him in the draft is Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. And Elijah Dunham said he compares himself to Draymond Green, and not that he can remember every player that was picked in the five rounds that he wasn't in 2020, but he talked about how he compares himself to Draymond Green. 100% right. And it's funny you say Draymond Green. I love Draymond Green. That's like, <laughs> that's my, if I played basketball, I'd want to be like Draymond Green, like the facilitator, the enforcer, the tease. Like, I, like he's the he's the guy everyone looks to to bring the energy and bring it every single day. And that's, that's I kind of take my, my baseball game like that. And so you're 100% right by thinking that. Well, getting into more of the fun personal side of Elijah Dunham, one thing a lot of people don't know about the Yankees' number 27 prospect is that his family owns a donut shop in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, it's part. It's called Parlor Donuts. Um, we were blessed to get into it uh, during COVID uh, because, frankly, we had a lot of time on our hands, and so um, and we had some, you know, some extra capital laying around, and we just we kind of found an investment and just kind of went with it, and so now it's, it's doing good. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so it's going good. We're about to open our second one in uh, uh, Lake Worth too. So it's going good. It's luckily my bro- my brother goes to Yale and he's the one the, the 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 brains behind it and like he does all of it. And so I just get to in the off season go down there and like hey I'm here, bubs. Like I'm I you know you can use me. Tell me what to do. But he's the he's the guy. And so that we rely on and that's. He, it's, it's basically his thing. I just get to promote it a little bit and just tell people about it. And I, I give some guys shirts too. And so we, we have it all. It's, uh, you can, we have like, I want to say like 25 different selections that we, we come out every single day and, and they're, they're really good. My personal favorite is the French toast. I'm going to promote it a little bit, a little, yeah. little maple glaze with some powdered sugar and some maple syrup on it. So it's really good. And it's, it's more of like a croissant donut too. So how about that? Elijah's family owns a donut shop in Fort Worth, Texas. His brother Isaiah runs it. And they're going to open up that second location pretty soon. So if you ever find yourself in the area, that's definitely a spot you're going to want to check out. I mean, if I'm ever down there, I will definitely be checking it out. But regardless, thank you so much, Elijah, for helping us get to know you a little bit better. One of the most quickly rising and dynamic prospects in the New York Yankees organization. Elijah Dunham, definitely a guy to keep watch for in the coming months, in the coming years, as a potential face that you will see in the Bronx. But let's get into this week. The Patriots, again, coming off of that big two-week homestand, went 8-3 and three against the Red Sox and Blue Jays affiliates, and so now they will hit the road for the first time in over two weeks. They'll throw off a six-game series versus the Pittsburgh Pirates AA affiliate, the Altoona Curve, and this is going to be an interesting series because the Curve come into this game as the last-place team in the Eastern League's Southwest Division with a record of 12-15, and 15. But you look deeper into the numbers, and it's easy to get caught up in the record. 
Don't let that fool you, though, because this team leads the Eastern League in batting average with a mark of 247, and they've got some really high-end talent on this team. And apparently, according to MLB Pipeline, that talent pool is going to get even more rich because last year's number one overall draft choice in the 2021 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates, Henry Davis, who is the organization's number two prospect, is about to get promoted and will make his double-A debut against the Somerset Patriots this week. And so far this year for Davis in high-A Greensboro, he hit 341 with a 1035 OPS. So the already great talent pool is going to get even larger. And that includes the number one prospect in the Pirates organization, infielder Nick Gonzalez, who was the former seventh overall pick of the 2020 draft by the Pirates out of New Mexico State. Had a good start to his minor league career, hit 302 with a 950 OPS last year in 80 games at high-A Greensboro. This year, he's gotten off to a slow start, hitting just 188 with a 643 OPS through 85 at-bats in 25 games for the curve. So, nonetheless, it's going to be a very big test for what is the best pitching staff in the Eastern League in Somerset, a 2.76 ERA once again, second best in all of minor league baseball. So this will most likely be the biggest test they face to this point in the year, and you're not going to want to miss a single out of it. Follow every step of the action on Fox Sports New Jersey, 93.5 FM, 1450 AM, and you can also look for links to listen on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and everywhere in between at SOM Patriots and at Somerset Patriots. We'll have all kinds of great content while the team is on the road all week, you can also stay informed with the Patriots mobile app. And then the Patriots will return home next week, beginning on May 17th with a six-game series against the Phillies affiliate, the Reading Fightin' Phils. So once again, thank you all so much for tuning into the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. And for all of us here at the Somerset Patriots, I'm Stephen Cusimano saying so long, and we'll see you at the ballpark.